So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to Love After Lockup. Ha ha, okay. I'm Miss H, and today Mr. O and I will be talking about Life After Lockup, Season 3, Episode 8. This week, Lindsay throws the book at Scott, Marcelino and Brittany witness some crackhead kung fu, Andrea rounds up the kids to leave Lamar dramatically, Michael and Sarah continue their 50-episode long fight, and Father John teaches Shane to golf, and Destiny reveals a traumatic event while chugging Jaeger from a bottle. If you like what you hear, please support us by subscribing and leaving a five-star rating or any other constructive comments are welcome. And if you watch 90 Day Fiancé, check out our other podcast channel, 90 Day MK, Teachable Moments with Miss H and Mr. O. Thanks, stay safe, and enjoy. Hello, Miss H. Hello, Mr. O. How are you doing? I am doing pretty well. So this is the first time we are recording in person. Yep, yep. We're trying to trying a new thing, and hopefully it works out because it's you're on your the East Coast. birthday. Well, yes. yes, I am on the East Coast because it is your birthday. It's also Martin Luther King Day. Yes, it is. It is. So you know, a lot to celebrate. Yeah, celebrate, serve. That's what that's what the big thing has been over here is the day on people. You know, remember service and 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 do some do something good for people. Right. Right. Okay. So uh, let's get started. I'm going to go ahead and start off with Lacey and Shane. So Shane and Lacey's dad, whose name is also coincidentally John are golfing. Shane doesn't know how to play, and he's excited to learn with his new father-in-law. John tells him to visualize the golf ball as John, not him, but convict John, which encourages Shane to hit the ball very hard. He tells us that they don't have golf in prison because it would be dangerous to give inmates access to golf clubs. Lacey is meeting with a friend at a restaurant, and they talk about John and how he texted Lacey before. Lacey doesn't want to tell Shane about John because if there is a physical altercation, Shane could go back to prison for 15 years. Back at golf, John tells Shane that inmate John has been released. They both are concerned about what that means for Lacey and the baby. Shane is upset that he's hearing this from John and not Lacey. Convict John drives by the restaurant that Lacey's at and thinks she's there because she posted something on her social media. He contemplates going inside, but then says he has plenty of time. So, not today, Satan. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, um, Lacey, you know, we heard her having a conversation with her friend. I know it's probably just production, but she seems to want to talk about John or have any excuse Mm -hmm. to talk about John. Sure. Do you think she's softening to the idea of talking to John again? I mean, I think she's softening to the idea of... Well, if this Shane thing doesn't work out, I want to have somebody on the hook. I know, right? Like, so, yeah. So, it's like, I don't know. I feel like she doesn't want to right now. But, mm-hmm. I mean, the way Shane's talking about it, it's like, it sounds like he might play right into John's hands here. Yeah, definitely. I think it's kind of funny that her biggest concern is Shane can't go back to prison. But at the same time, it's like she wants these two things, but the consequences are big. And so I feel like that's the only thing really keeping her away from John right now. It's not even the baby. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't get over John's weird. I feel like that was a production, too. Like you said, she posted it on social media. Well, she was pretty well followed on social media. Right. So I don't think she would – I don't know if she would be posting, like, location stuff all the time. No, I don't think so either. That's actually a good point. So I think production told John that 
she's at this restaurant. Sure. He <laughs> didn't look so sober. Like, you know, it's just he doesn't look so healthy right now. Uh-huh. Like his face kind of looks a little sunken in. He looks like he hasn't slept in a while. He's looking pretty rough right now. Uh-huh. So I don't know if he's in a space to be winning Lacey back anyway. Yeah, well, I mean, can you imagine a situation where you win someone back by just like texting them and when they don't respond just like randomly showing up at where they're having lunch with their friend <laughs> not even and, and not like oh he wasn't gonna play it off it wasn't gonna be he was gonna be like oh i'm just having lunch at this place and but he would have been like i'm here and you need to talk to me yeah like yeah that's you always you a didn't hit me back like why are you not answering yeah. my text messages yeah yes. definitely something like that uh speaking of not uh you know contacting the person we have Brittany and marcelino So Marcelino and Brittany raid Cynthia's room to find that no one is home. They deduce that Cynthia did not come home the night before because her bed is still made. They drive away from the desert moon as we see such highlights like the big stain on the comforter and the Netflix and chill sign. Marcelino is tired of looking for Cindy and he is trying to give Brittany directions, but she gets frustrated and flustered and they bicker in the car. Brittany calls her sister Kayla to see if she's heard from Cindy. Brittany resolves to look for her mom, which means going up to random people, showing them pictures of her mom, asking if they've seen her. Marcelino says that, you know, Cindy can be lost if that's what she wants. He doesn't care because at this point, it's more of a burden. Brittany fears that her mom has been raped or murdered. Brittany thought things ended on an optimistic note the day before and is confused why her mom just dropped off the face of the planet. Marcelino thinks that, you know, Cindy just got scared to get sober. Brittany wants to go back to the desert moon, but Marcelino thinks that it's too dangerous because now it's nighttime. But they go stake out the motel anyway. As they're parked outside, the police roll up because a crackhead straight started a fight right behind their van, doing what Marcelino described as crack kung fu. Through all the commotion, they see Cindy casually strolling to her room like nothing's wrong. Brittany asks where she's been. Cindy says she was with her boyfriend, and she can see that, you know, now she's fine. She also says that she wasn't drinking. Brittany asks her to come home with her because she doesn't want her to be at the motel. Cindy admits to looking for pain pills, but she does eventually get in the van, and they head off. So, a lot of this search was a lot of, you know, random, like, have you seen this person? Yeah, that seems like a very ineffective way to search like, oh, I, like I feel like if it was an effective way to search wouldn't the police do that all the time just like <laughs> sure. randomly walk but like, you went randomly walking up to people in like downtown Las Vegas and be like have you seen this person right especially with all the when, crackheads yeah and like I mean the crackheads are also gonna be like I'm not gonna snitch on this person like right. they don't know what you're looking for them for yeah like are you gonna break their knees yeah. are you going to you know try to get money from them yeah. yeah and if you do are they gonna come after me because I pointed where they are like there's yeah. definitely like the rule of a street is if anybody asked you have you seen this person the answer is like nope do you know them nope I mean they even say stitches get stitches yeah in this segment um but so how long would you actually look for someone you care about like aimlessly like Brittany is I mean so at the end of the day they ended up doing the thing that the only thing that made sense with the staking out of Mm -hmm. the of the motel room like they know they know she wasn't there they know she was there they know she's still registered there she still has the room so she's gonna come back eventually Mm -hmm. but i mean i don't know that i don't know that waiting around for six doing it for six hours i mean it's one of those things maybe come back every couple hours and see if she's there yet 
yeah. um, for someone that you're worried about. But at a certain time, because the other thing that comes up is the, um, you know, the missing persons report sure. and things like that, which is definitely going to be a little bit trickier for somebody who's Cindy's age mm-hmm. um, than for like, you know, if it's a, if it's a kid. Because there's always that misconception that, oh, we have to wait 24 hours. They have to be missing for 24 hours before yeah. you can put it in. And that's not true. So I guess it depends on who it was. What, what what and where they were? That's where they. That's where it seemed like a lot of their bickering was coming from, right? Because Marcelino was like, she, if she cared, if she wanted to be found, right, she'd be found. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, well, it's her choice. It's a choice to be lost. <laughs> yeah. Like he's calling her lost, not missing. Or yes, you know. True. Whereas Brittany's like thinking the worst that is happening, and we actually got to watch this uh, together, so we had a bit of a conversation of. You know, how realistic is it that, you know, Brittany is concerned that Cindy's going to get raped? And, yeah, and it's like, well, the thing is, there's there's definitely a misconception about rape that it's about, like, it's about the sex. And it's not. It's about, like, power and control and things like that. But there are statistics about, like, you know, your – most of the rapes take place between, I think it was 18 and 34. Yes. Or something like that. But it's it's not at all clear if it's, like, that's that's a attractiveness thing, but it's, like – because those tend to be people who put themselves in situations like Cindy was putting herself into. Right. And then I, I understand where Brittany's coming from, where her concern that these crimes against her mom are, like, drug-related. Right. So, you know, like, maybe, you know, it's a drug deal gone wrong and Cindy's, like, caught in a violent situation that could include rape. So, I mean, it's not that it's not a legitimate concern, but it is... Kind of interesting. They're very differing thoughts on this. Marcelino's like, well, she's choosing to lose herself, and Brittany's like, oh my gosh, violent crimes against my mom. Right, which is hard. Which is hard when you have you know, the the cop cars get pulled up right right behind you. I mean, it seemed <laughs> yeah. extremely sketchy where they were, and like, but I don't know. I didn't. I, it drove me kind of nuts the way the production did, sold that is when they when all this cadre of police came to get this <laughs> this this you know crackhead ninja that was going around. Um, <laughs> Is that they definitely, but is that her? Is that her while showing pictures of the cop cars? Right, right. As if they were good, but it was, instead they were like, no, that's her walking down the street like, into the apartment. Like, yeah. like nothing's wrong. <laughs> yes. It's like, where have you been? Oh, I was at my boyfriend's house. Which, once again, like, why is this the first time we're hearing about Cindy's boyfriend? Yes. Like, uh, yes and no. I mean, that's what the thing is, too. It's like, boyfriend or the guy you were trying to get Or your drug dealer. From. Yeah, or yeah. drug dealer. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Your hookup. Yeah. And not to hook up. <laughs> Right. Right. All right. So, um, people who are not hooking up, it's, let's go to Sarah and Michael. So, Sarah and Aviana are storming out of the hotel after the fight start that started last week and just continues this week. And then Michael comes out and things devolve even further. Sarah says at first that she doesn't want to talk, but that lasts for a good, like, hot second before she just unloads all all of her grievances on him at one time. Just a full shotgun blast. Uh, there, there seems like there's a bunch of things she wishes Michael had said to her um, that she, like, takes offense about. Like, he wanted, she wanted, like, a specific full apology of, I've been so bad, and blah, 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 blah. It was, you know, not yeah. going to happen. Uh, Michael's point, which he was trying to make in the hotel room, is that if she wants him to be a good father, it's impossible for him to be a good father if she's... Um, you know, won't answer the phone because she's mad at him. Therefore, he can't talk to the girls and blah, 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 blah. So he essentially is chasing her over the in and out of the entire hotel grounds 
She's going in. She's at the pool. She's in the front. She's at the lobby. And, you know, this whole time she's venting about how much work being a co-parent with, with Michael is for her. Eventually, Michael gets her to calm down enough that he can get her to go home so she has time to calm down more so that he can show up later and they can have a hopefully more calm conversation. So I was actually left pretty confused. Oh, same here. By this segment. What yes. Do you, what do you think she's actually mad about? Okay, so that was my first <laughs> line of notes. It literally says, I'm confused what exactly they're fighting about. <laughs> so I feel like we're both on the same page. Um, what I gathered, and it was a little scattered, definitely, especially when she was trying to explain it to him. It sounded like she was mad because he's trying to claim like he's this great dad and he really isn't. He's not there. And then he's trying to say that he would be there, but Sarah is, you know, taking the things that are happening in their relationship personally and preventing him from being a good dad because she's basically keeping the kids away from him. But at the end of the day, I don't really understand what Sarah is exactly mad about, but I understand, like, Michael, like... I, and I'm not saying I'm like Michael's side. I'm not saying that I agree with his version of reality. Uh-huh. But I understand that Michael is trying to defend himself as a dad and saying, you know, like, you take things personally. It has nothing to do with me as a parent. Right. And to be fair, I mean, I'm not totally uh, – same thing. I'm not saying Michael's totally right. Mm-hmm. But he's kind of more right than she is. Like, yeah. even with this fight – she keeps saying, you did this to me, and what about me, and what about what I do? And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, who are you talking about right now? Because it's not the kids. Right. <laughs> it's all right. about how much work you had to do with these kids and how much you have to deal with. And that's his point is he was like, well, I should be able to call from that number, mm-hmm. and you don't even have to answer the phone. Yeah. You don't have to look, just get just take dad called and flip it flip it up. Like, that's right. all you got to do. And, and, and it's hard for him to – now, granted – we all know that, though, Michael flakes out on things. Yes. He definitely says he's going to call and doesn't. And so he's no not innocent on this. But it is really hard. If she wants what she wants, she has to kind of meet him where he is yeah. and be like, okay, yeah, he said he would call last time. But when he, next time he does call, we're just going to, like, keep going. Because she seems like what she really wants is something that she's not going to get. And right. is she, every time it happens is she's mad that she's not getting it is him to be like, you are right about everything. I was wrong <laughs> about everything. I've been That's a crappy father. You are the best mother in the world. I apologize for all things. And it's just not going to happen. So anytime he yeah. even defends himself, like, I've been trying to go, that just set her off. And she just has to scream and yell about all the things he's ever done to wrong her. Right. So what you were saying about Michael, you know, like not or being more truthful about what he was saying, like he definitely said some of what, you know, the hard truths, the Mm -hmm. things that are really hard for Sarah to hear, because it does make her look like an overly emotional person when it comes to her relationship, which is clouding her judgment on being a parent or at least allowing Michael to be a parent. So a lot of things that he said I thought were true Mm -hmm. and they were hard for her to hear, 
And I also think it was really odd that she kind of threw in something about, this is why I appreciate being with Malcolm. It's like, are oh, you with Malcolm? Malcolm is 100% breaking. If Malcolm sees this episode, <laughs> he is 100% breaking up with her. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm just like, wait, you walked away from your last conversation with Malcolm thinking, we're in a good place. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, um... I know maybe you're still technically with Malcolm, but it's like, but for how long? Yeah. I, I, yeah. The, the idea of it, and she just misses things, you know, because mm-hmm. that's the other thing, too, is we keep everybody who's outside of Sarah, Malcolm included, is like, oh, no, she's still hung up on Michael. And if Michael, yeah. if Michael had did that fake apology and told her everything, she would go back to him in a hot second. Oh, yeah, for and, sure. But she's the only one who wouldn't admit that to herself. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I've moved on. And it's like, have you, though? Like... <laughs> I don't think you can say you've moved on from anybody who still makes you that upset and that emotional and can get you into that place. Yeah. And I definitely feel like she uses the kids as a cover for how upset she gets. Yes. Because it's like, oh, well, you know, you're being a bad father and that's why I'm upset because you're forcing me to have to play two roles and the girls are missing out on something and that's not fair to them. But I... It's not that I don't think she believes that, but I think that's not the complete story. And she's not being fully honest about, like, her feelings in the situation. Mm -hmm. And I think it's fair to say, you know, like, you really hurt me. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to be objective in this situation. It's very hard for me not to resent you and let it affect our parenting. Like, I feel like she can still be honest, still be respectful, Um, But it's like, instead, she's kind of using the kids as a cover. Totally. And it's like, and I think that's why Michael is frustrated and why he's saying things that are truthful. I think he's saying, even saying things. It's like, every time you're yelling, he's Mm -hmm. like, okay, you keep saying these are things that are hurting the girls, but those were things that hurt you. Yeah. (laughs) And you're just saying, I'm upset because I'm this upset. And her, that's her justification for being that upset is I'm upset because it hurts the girls. Right. And he's like, does it though? Yeah, because I think she's like trying to play it off like, I don't care about you anymore. It hurts the girls when you're not around. Right. It's like, mm, well, I feel like you're still hurt that he's yeah. not around. That's why you're trying to invite him to live with you. That's right. Right. <laughs> this all came like two seconds after he invited right. him to live there. And if we think about like where it was from last week to this week, it's like it turned on a dime really quickly. Right. And it was as soon as he said, I've been a good dad. And so as soon as she kind of got that she impression of it, out. he wasn't going to be like contrite and doing everything she wanted. And you're so right, darling. It was like that was that was the trigger. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on to Andrea and Lamar. So if we recall from last time, Andrea is really upset with Lamar because uh, she finds out that Lamar asked Priscilla to keep uh, her hangout with Shantae a secret. And... Priscilla was a very bad actress and told her mom in a very hollow way that she hung out with her. Yes. Okay, so this week, Andrea tries to herd the kids in the car so they can go to a hotel. Andrea tells the kids not to look at a forlorn Lamar as they start to back out of the driveway. Tennyson thought that this was just for show, and when he realizes that Andrea actually means it, he's like, hold up, and he hops out of the car to stay with Lamar. Because he agrees with Lamar and doesn't want him to feel like the whole the family as a whole is abandoning him. As Andrea drives off with just the girls, Nyla says that they feel like Andrea and Lamar act like children when they fight. Lamar says he's glad Tennyson stayed and Tennyson says this is the worst fight he's seen. 
Lamar goes outside to randomly pace up and down the street. Andrea goes to check into a hotel and tells the receptionist that she's had a very rough time. Nyla is getting interviewed and gets interrupted because Lamar texts her asking how they are. Andrea then starts talking to Nyla, saying that Lamar seems to think that she is the one who is keeping Shantae away from the family. Priscilla seems to like the hotel room and says it's nice. Andrea asks her if she's happy she went with her. Priscilla says she doesn't like it when they fight like this. Nyla thinks that Andrea could have handled the situation better other than blowing up on everyone. Andrea says that's why she left, to give each other space. Nyla says that, well, not really. You kind of lingered and kept fighting. (laughs) Priscilla and Priscilla, she saw the whole thing. Andrea says she hopes that the communication will get better, but if it doesn't get any better, she needs to part ways because she's not setting a good example for her daughters. All right, so Andrea claims that, you know, she wanted to give Lamar some space. Do you think that Andrea giving Lamar space is the best course of action right now? Best course of action? No. Better than staying and screaming at him? (laughs) Yes. Right? I mean, it's the best course of action that she's capable of right now. Right. Because, I mean, the whole thing was, I understand where she's coming from. Mm -hmm. Like, it is not the best thing for Priscilla, for her parents to kind of be using her in between and saying, don't tell your mom this, don't tell your mom. It's not great. But I feel like that could have been a calm conversation. A calm but serious conversation. Right. Like, that did not need to be a screaming match and a shoving match and, and all that. And that, and so that kind of changed the parameters of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as you overreact like that, now Lamar's issue is more like, why are we, why am I getting screamed at? And why are we, why am I getting shoved? And like, mm-hmm. well, I like think he knows because Andrea is just volatile. Like, right. she's just incapable of having a calm conversation Mm-hmm. with Lamar because she's such a control freak that it's like if things don't go her way she doesn't know how to handle it so her immediate reaction is just to lash out which means screaming hitting right. whatever which oh my god like to be I to do that in front of the kids that's just that's unconscionable like yeah. that that's that's worse for Priscilla than the lie is yeah. to watch her mom and her mom explode like this on somebody then i mean she says she doesn't like it too i mean and an eight for an eight-year-old for something to be that bad that they're like i really don't like it when you like to their mom like it's usually pretty bad before it gets to that point right like i don't even because i mean nyla says i think nyla or tennessee both said they're being childish and it's like it really is though i mean it's just Mm -hmm. it's literally a temper tantrum that she throws yeah absolutely so let's get to the root of what the what their argument is. Okay. So Andrea seems to think that she has not banned Shantae from anything. Mm-hmm. And she, I think, is upset because everyone believes that she's trying to keep Shantae away from the family. Right. And that's at least what she kind of expressed to Nyla. So it's kind of like, well, where is Lamar, you know, what? where did he come up with this? Yes. Where where did where did that come from? Right. That, that's and that's that seems like something that would come up in a calm conversation. Mm-hmm. As like, oh, I I it I am upset that you won't let Shantae in the family. Where did you come up with that idea? Like, mm-hmm. how what are the conversations we had? How do you why do you feel that way? Mm-hmm. And like, but that never happens because they can't get to the root of the problem because they're as soon as a problem comes up, she creates a different problem. Yeah, that's a more urgent problem that needs to be dealt with. Yeah. And I mean, and I get that, 
you know, she's kind of fronting, like, the problem is, like, Priscilla keeping secrets, because that legitimately is a problem. Right. But I also feel like what she's really trying to do is she's... I personally theorize that she's actually upset that they did hang out with Shantae, but she knows that it's messed up to <laughs> be upset like, about that's that. the reason why. Right. Yeah. So she has to pivot to something else that is legitimate. So, yeah, I do think she is legitimately upset that, you know, Lamar's telling Priscilla to lie to her. But I do think there is something to her being upset that they hung out with Shantae in the first place. Uh, so the other thing that bothers me about Andrea is she has this weird sense of moral black and whiteness, mm-hmm. right? That, that everything is either totally heavenly and godly and good <laughs> yeah. or is evil Satan incarnate found in my right. found in my daughter. So as soon as like you're teaching my daughter to hide secrets from me, that is makes her an evil person who doesn't it's like, whoa, let's like yeah. relax on Lamar's trying to turn my child into Satan. Right. Um, rather than just being like yeah, he told her to keep something a secret because he was scared of the fallout. Like, that's mm. not great, but it's not, you know, tools of Satan, like, the way she talks about it. I definitely feel like she views life like that. But then the thing that just confuses me is if you see things so black and white like that. And I mean, everything that she's shown on the show indicates that she does. How is it that you're dating Lamar, an ex-con? Like, right, that seems like a very gray area. It's weird that she doesn't hold herself to that standard either. Yes, that is true. She's very hypocritical. Yeah, in terms of, the, you know, the way they lied about the mm-hmm. way Priscilla was conceived and things yes. like that. They went along for a long time. Oh, my goodness. Like, and so it's kind of like when anybody else, when she does it, she's very much understanding of, well, I have my reasons. But if anybody else does it, it's like, Satan. Satan. <laughs> You have been possessed by Satan. This is the will of Satan. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think this is why, uh, you know, especially the last season, why we got very frustrated with Andrea is because she keeps on trying to come off as this, like, devout religious person. And, I mean, I don't want to say it's, you know, Mormon specifically, but she really is not giving Mormons a good name here. No, she's, she's I mean, not uh, yeah, I, I hope I, I certainly hope she's not representative. No. And, and I mean, she's not representative of any Mormons I've ever uh, Yes, exactly. <laughs> by, what by I was a long stretch. <laughs> right. Because I have quite a few Mormon friends, and yeah. I would say none of them are like her yeah, at all. Not at all. I mean, and if they are really strict, they, like, hold themselves to those kinds of standards and yes. not, like, pushing it on everyone else, evangelizing as hardcore as she does. Well, even, even the evangelizing, you know, because I, I think we've all run across Mormons mm-hmm. doing their mission and stuff. They're sure they're, they're very, very respectful, friendly, respectful yeah. of your opinions, respectful of what you're doing. It's not, mm-hmm. it definitely is not, Satan, you're going to hell. It's like. Could it's you like, imagine Andrea being one of those Mormon missionaries? Oh, my God. I couldn't. She would be the worst. Like, they would have to, like, remove her because they're like, you're doing the opposite. You're, yeah, you're driving people away. <laughs> you're converting Mormons like, yeah. into atheism. <laughs> it's not the kind of conversion we want here. <laughs> All right. So moving on, we have ooh, Scott and Lindsay. Oh, goodness. oh, my goodness. I was looking forward to this. I know. They've been teasing. Mm-hmm. So I was like, after two weeks, two weeks of having to watch Lindsay's temper tantrum just simmer, Scott finally gets back to the house. Um, you know, he finds some of his stuff on the lawn and some of his other stuff on his office floor. Lindsay greets him with a fuck you. And then he's just immediately is like, okay. So he goes out back to smoke a cigarette um, because he already knows she's not going to be able to be reasoned with. He says what he says. Uh, because, and then he says some 
questionable things. God. So he suggests that that's probably why she was in prison, and guesses that's why she'll probably go back to prison. God, he's the worst. Anyway, they kind of jump back and forth between um, the two of these people being assholes. She's dumping out his pills all over the floor. Yeah. She gets his scissors and carves fuck you into his desk. (laughs) And generally, he's making a mess of everything. There was some sort of powder she spilled everywhere. Um, Because it's... The only thing short of physically assaulting him that she can think to do. Eventually, she, you know, gets tired of waiting for him to come back into the office and get upset. So she goes out back to try to get him upset and asks him if he's been with any prostitutes recently. He says, yeah, like the one I met in prison, which we assume is referring to Lindsay herself. Anyway, she asks again and he gets a really smug look in his eyes that then doesn't leave for the rest of the episode. And he says she's out of her tree. He admits that, which I don't know what that means. I don't either. Okay. He admits that um, to using escorts in the past, but denies that he's been talking to them since they've been together. He knows his office is a mess and he asks, you know, what does it look like? But it looks like what he's trying to do is to weirdly like underreact because he knows that she's looking for a big reaction and he also knows that it's going to make her more mad. And so she can be the one who looks like, you know, she's doing too much. All right. Anyway, so he does this, you know, that annoying thing and says with a calm voice, says really insulting things with a calm voice, Mm. right? She says she isn't buying his excuses, but then changes the subject to the book that had the passage with the thing and the thing with the thing and throws it at him. Um, And he says that she's behaving ridiculous. Um, At the end of the day, he says he does care for Lindsay, but she seems to be a different person than when she was in prison. Which is basically the same thing Lindsay says about him. So Scott says that, you know, sitting there smoking a cigarette, he doesn't see any kind of path forward for the two of them. She tells him that he doesn't make the rules and she's going to give everything back to him tenfold. Then she flips over the garden table, says, (laughs) tells him that if you haven't figured it out by now, it's over and I'll be fucking somebody else in your bed by the weekend. God. (laughs) Um, So. All right. So. That was not the right thing. Uh, what crazy do you want to start with? What pills were those? What pill? There was a lot yes, of them. Yes, there was a lot of pills. I was like, wait a second. Like, the only thing I can think of that's, like, justifiable, given his age, blood pressure medicine. Oh, yeah. I can totally see that. Or cholesterol, whatever cholesterol pills. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, like it's somebody his age, they all have, like, my, yeah, my parents both take, you know, have their medications that they go and that's blood, yeah, blood pressure, cholesterol yeah. medication, meds and stuff like that. Like, they weren't, they weren't blue pills. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay. And then I thought it was also very interesting how quickly he has changed his tune to, do you remember their first season, how he used to say, you know, she got in trouble a lot in prison because people were jealous of how beautiful she was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that was just like, oh, her She's not really reaction. in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. People yeah. were just, yeah. She always, yeah. People just had a trouble with her. They brought the yeah. fights to her. Right. So how do you explain that now, Scott? Like, I just thought it was really funny. It's like, well, let's kind of like turn this around. Like Mm -hmm. now you're in the position of now she's in trouble with you. Do you really think it's because she's so beautiful and you're jealous? That yeah, your jealousy brought it along. But uh, I can totally see this. She's just we we said it last time, and it just goes this way. If she doesn't get her way, she just throws a little temp, uh, not a little temper. Oh yeah, a major temper temper tantrum. Right. But she also, like, kind of turns it on him, saying that, you know, oh, he's so emotionless. So I do feel like 
part of her kind of going this level of crazy mm-hmm. is her wanting to get some kind of reaction out of him. Yes. And because she doesn't get a reaction out of him, she keeps on escalating, escalating, escalating. Absolutely. Waiting for something, just a little something. But then at the same time, it's like, how do you deal with someone like that? Because, you know, like if you kind of think about our child psychology, it's like uh-huh. you're going to positively reinforce this negative behavior by giving her attention. So it's like, I don't know. What do you do in this situation? And I I don't think, I I think he was wrong in some ways, but not in like the big picture ways. Uh The big picture, as soon as she, he comes in and she was like, well, fuck you. He was like, okay, well, you're not, we're not, we're not going to have anything. I'm Mm -hmm. going, I'm going out back. Now, then he goes out back and says things like, this is why she was in prison and blah, blah, blah. Like he says a lot of asshole things. Oh, he says a lot of asshole things. But like, I definitely think that like, just being like, listen, I'm not going to engage with you right now. I'm not going to engage. Because I really do think she wanted to engage with him. And she was – I don't think she was waiting for anything to happen. Mm-hmm. She wanted him to get violent. She wanted him to hit something or throw something. So she could then say, he's violent. We got to get out. Oh, my God. It was his fault. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I and can I think, see that. And definitely. I think he knew that and was like, I'm not going to get up off of this chair. That's sure, but at the same time, he wasn't getting off the chair, but he was definitely poking the bear. Oh, no, he was definitely getting hurt. I think they both had the same kind of thing. I want to, I want this other, per- I want them to escalate. I want them to look like the ridiculous one. Mm-hmm. And so he was poking the bear and she was trying. He was better at it. He was. Oh, like, God. The stuff he said just made me so, like, oh, it gave me such cringe because it was just like, that was just so rude, like implying she was a prostitute in prison. Yeah, like, that just, one was to her face. That one wasn't yes. in the interview. Yes. It was just, it was ridiculous. He was sarcastic. He was condescending. He was basically making fun of her. And then let's kind of talk about the book. So she comes up with the book and she straight up says to him, I could make it easier for you and like, uh, you know, show you where the passage is, but you can just read the whole thing. And then he's like, all right, this is ridiculous. She wants me to read? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, ridic- it was ridiculous if she thought he was going to be able to find it while he was sitting at that t- table. Right, like, am right. I supposed to read it now? I'm confused. But, yeah, I mean, but at the end of the day, I mean, I get where he was. Definitely thinking things that you should think and not say. With yes. her saying she was a prostitute. Because I get where he's coming right now. And he was like, oh, you just wanted things from me. Like yeah. you just wanted, and now that I said your you can't your your girlfriend can't move into the mm-hmm. to the driveway, now it's over. Like as soon as that happens, it's over. Like yeah. as long as I was giving you everything you wanted, you were happy to be with me, and you know, and the prostitute thing, and have sex with me. Right. But as soon as I as soon as I told you no, then it oh boom, it's all gone. Yeah. From his perspective, did he do more than just tell her no? Yeah, he did. Right. The the yeah. snooping and stuff like that was good, but she just has this weird eye for an eye. Like thing that justifies uh-huh. everything she do. Oh well, he looked at my book. I'm gonna go through his entire desk. <laughs> well, yeah, and that kind of goes back to her like you're gonna get it tenfold. tenfold. I don't yeah. think it's exactly eye for eye for like yeah. half your body. Yes, you poked my <laughs> eye. I will cut off your arm. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, the other thing about him is he looked a little tanner. Where was he coming from? I don't. I thought it was just work, so I don't know if he's been because he's in his work truck. I don't. But I don't know. He can get tan at work. Maybe he was at a tanning salon. Maybe he's vain. It didn't look as like orangey as it usually does. Yeah, yeah. But and how long? We haven't seen him in a couple of weeks, but we don't know how long it's been like calendar wise since we've actually seen him. Right, right. 
Okay, so he also says that he's realizing that being in prison makes you emotionally stunted. It's like, how are you just learning these lessons now? Right. It's definitely like something that, I don't know, in this show comes up a lot. It's like, yeah. oh, you went into prison when you are 18. When you come out, you're still emotionally yeah. 18. Sure. Like, yeah. Um, so to come up, but he just, and it's just, it took him a long time to figure out, oh, she's kind of full of shit. Like, you know, the other thing, the same with thing in prison. I'm sure she did a great job convincing him that every time she got into trouble, how it was really somebody else's fault. Because right. she does a great job convincing herself that anytime anything bad happens, it's actually somebody else's fault. Yeah. I mean, at this point, like, they're both garbage people. They both, in lots of ways, deserve each other. Sure. I can't really even say I'm Team Scott or Team Lindsay. It just so happens that Scott is grosser to me this week. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so last couple we have for the week is, oh, Sean and Destiny. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Denise, Destiny's mom, comes by to visit Destiny at her sister Brittany's house and share a bottle of Jägermeister. <laughs> they, de- they drink straight out of the bottle and start talking about Destiny's upcoming court date. Destiny is trying to be hopeful so she won't completely throw caution to the wind and backslide. Sean is back in Vegas reminding us again that he's on the hook for $50,000. But then he says that Destiny's shady Facebook accounts is weighing more on his mind right now. He calls Destiny again and she rejects his call. Destiny says that he needs to respect her space. She doesn't know if things are going to work out. She just wants to keep her options open. Denise tries to have a heart-to-heart with her and says that if needed, she has to turn herself in and do the right thing to put all of this behind her. Denise starts crying and saying that she's worried about Destiny. We find out that Destiny has been raped by her uncle at the age of 13, and her uncle ended up being sentenced to prison for 25 years. Destiny thinks that her trying to suppress that trauma has really messed her up and is the root reason why she has been in trouble. She especially hates court because being at court reminds her of her uncle's trial. Denise says she needs to face her fears and encourages her to fight for her life. Destiny then, I think in one of those commercial break things, gets her tarot cards read by an astrologist in a park. Destiny talks about Sean and her constant battles with him. Destiny is telling her astrologist how she has put hands on him, and her astrologist kindly says, So you're a romantic? (laughs) That was very confusing. (laughs) It's very weird. All right. So uh, the big storyline at this point is, you know, Destiny and her court date. Right. So do you think that Destiny is going to show up to her court date? And do you think Sean will try to bring her in? I mean, I I do. I think she ends up going to court. And I think it's not because Sean is going to get her there, but it seems like her mother and her sister and the other people around that seem to care about her will, will get her to be there and are there. And that's different. They're there to, and this is what you kind of saw from the mother today, you know, which Mm -hmm. is, seems like a change from earlier in her life is she's like, I'm there to support you through this. And we're going to get you through this hard thing and not like, duh, my money, let's go court for money. I needed money. Let's go. Yeah. Like, like Sean is just like, he just has a, he just does. It just seems like he wants, he. And I don't know that it's wrong. And he tries to kind of sell us on it differently. Mm. He wants her to go to court for selfish reasons. And it seems like all the other people are like, you need to do this for you. It's going to get better for you. It's going to be at the end of the day. Yes, we know it sucks, but it's better, you know, to make yourself better and get your life together 
this rather than Sean is like, but me and my money and yeah. my lady that I wanted to bang and yeah. God. Um, I actually find this to be really sad. It makes so much more sense. So this is the first we're hearing about, you know, Destiny's like past trauma being raped sure. by her uncle. It makes sense to me now how they kind of alluded to her um, hard relationship with her mom because, you know, is it possible that her mom maybe wasn't so supportive at the beginning, maybe thought Destiny was lying, especially since this involves like a family member and could be, you know, they didn't really say, but it could have right. been Denise's brother. Yeah, It's very easy to kind of blame Destiny for her brother going to prison for 25 years yeah. and, you know, thinking that, you know, you don't want to believe the worst in your own family, like believing that Destiny was lying, you know, mm -hmm. and it probably took some time for her to kind of come around and realize, you know, like, wow, I did a shitty job of being a right. mom and not protecting you. Or not even protecting. I could totally see a situation where, especially because they said the mom was, you know, addict, an addict sure, as well. Sure. Like situations where the mom, you know, the mom was going out to do things and was like, oh, I'll drop you off at your uncle's house so I can yeah. go out. Right. And then it's then you're like now the mom's even like from the kid's perspective, you're mm. you're part of it. Like mm -hmm. you're the one who's making me go over there and making yeah. me do that. So. I could definitely see how those things would happen. I mean, I'm not surprised. It's one of those when you see somebody with a life and, and with things that are as, as hard to put together as Destiny is, mm -hmm. finding something out like that is like not surprising at all. Right, right. And it, I think it's not surprising. It's just really sad. And sure. The, and it also makes sense why she really hates Core. You mm -hmm. know, it's like, yeah, it, it's bad, uh, you know, for her. But I also feel like it's a trigger, you know, having to go through – a situation where you're the victim at 13 yeah. and having to relive that situation oh, oh in my court. There's a, there's a reason so many play, cases never end up in court because mm -hmm. there's so many victims who are like, I just I can't do that. Yeah. I just can't. Um, and so it is. Okay, so lighter note. <laughs> Good. <What laughs> I was, was going to say, that's pretty heavy. What the hell was Sean cooking? So I was very confused because he got out and he's talking about his $50,000 and actually course, like right. destiny, but it is $50,000. He's like cooking on the grill and he gets out. He's just cooking for himself. He gets out a pack of like 48 hot dogs. Oh, God. <laughs> and then like the next scene, he's like putting a frozen burger on that grill. I'm like, what are you, what is this guy doing? <laughs> I'm very confused about what he's eating. Why does he have a pack of like. I have no idea. 48. It's like the what kind you see like at the ballpark behind the thing. Like, oh, my gosh. Maybe they just were like, okay, well, you need to do something. And Sean Dummy was like, well, what can uh, I do? I guess I'll cook something. <laughs> do you want me to cook this? I don't this? have no. any friends. Do you guys want hot dogs? <laughs> I'll cook it for the crew. <laughs> yeah, I'll cook, I'll cook some hot dogs for the crew. And they're like, no, we got craft services back there, man. We're going to Okay, we'll let's be real here. Do you think there's craft services at this reality show? So my dad uh -huh. once um, did they was they filmed like three seconds of a commercial at uh -huh. his school and there was craft services there. So I bet I, I there's probably and it's different because production's going around, but I, yeah. there's got to be a trailer somewhere like centralized that they that know. they come in for. I don't know if it Sean can get it, but yeah, I was gonna say this doesn't seem like a very like I don't know like a expensive operation, right? Yeah. I, I mean, mean, I'm sure they make a ton of money. I'm sure they do. Maybe not. Compared to the cost, but. Yes. Yeah. But I can't imagine if you want this crew to, because the whole, the whole point of craft services is mm -hmm. nobody has to leave the set. Nobody has to go. It's just, you, sure. you just get it sure. there. You're here when you need them. Is like, they probably have an intern that just gets food. 
is yeah. probably is probably the way they run it. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I feel like maybe they have a cooler of water bottles and, like, some bags of trail mix somewhere. I feel like that's the <laughs> level of production we're dealing with with this show. Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay. So, that covers our uh, couples. We did not hear from Chevelle and Quaylin and Amber and Puppy this week. So, who was your student of the week? I mean, I guess... We're going to go with that. It was really hard this week. Yes. Um, every Everybody main cast had serious flaws. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess I went with Priscilla. <laughs> Gosh, okay. Just because, I mean, as bad of an actress as she is, right? Yes, I, awful. But they did seem to be like, why don't you tell mom how you feel? And she actually had the, I feel bad when you do this. And I don't <laughs> like it. Laying on her lap. Yeah. So I guess at least for being straightforward and honest with Andrea because it it also seems like she might be the only one that she kind of even listens to like everybody else when she's like you're being ridiculous and overreacting like it's very much like well now you're against me too I don't know what I have to do you're disrespecting (laughs) me it's like oh my Uh, Speaking of the kids, uh, my student of the week was actually Tennyson. I thought it was actually really sweet that he was considering you know, Lamar, like how he would feel his place in the family. Right. Like it would be very easy for him to, you know, take Andrea aside and because Andrea is like telling him to. Mm-hmm. Right. And he risks losing a lot, you know, like because out of the two of the parents, like who's going to lash out more? Andrea, 100 percent. You know, like she's the one who's taking it personally. Right. What sides the kids are taking, whereas Lamar is just kind of like, yeah, you do you. Uh huh. So yeah. the fact well, that he wants that part when they were backing out and she was like, "Don't look at him. Don't even make eye contact." <laughs> well, Lamar was just like looking for, but like that thing was like kind of ridiculous. Like, what was the point of Lamar pacing back and forth in the middle of the street? Like he was just like waiting for them to come back. Like, oh, this is just a fake out. They'll be back. Ah, uh, he might have believed that. Yeah, right, right. So I, I thought it was uh, good of Tennyson to kind of stand up for Lamar in a way. You know, make a stand. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you're not all right. You know, like, I'm going to stick with Lamar. Yeah, I mean, definitely Tennyson seems to have passed this point in his life where he's like, oh, no, I'm my mom's parent now. Yeah. Like, I have to manage her yeah. and this thing. And so I think this was definitely a parenting move to be like, no, I'm not going to give you what you want. You're be- behaving <laughs> badly. Right. Okay, so how about your dunce? Um, so, again, lots to choose from this one. Yeah, right. I went, I went with Lindsay mm-hmm. um, just because, like, Trashing the office is like what? What was? What? What? What's the point of that besides like making yourself like feel? I don't even know what you feel for that. Like, yeah. good, proud. Like, I don't. I don't know what feeling you're getting out of that. But it's, you know, it's definitely not something that is. Um, you know, uh, when you think of even if you're trying to punish someone, they must be timely. They must be relevant. Uh-huh. <laughs> Things like that. It was not relevant to anything she thought he did wrong. Right. I'm just gonna trash his place. I don't. I don't. I don't get it. And then again, all we talked about just trying to trying her best to make him the bad guy by like I think she wanted a violent reaction. Yeah. And I just think that's it, you know, very bad. Well, I don't think she needs a whole lot to do to make him the bad guy because Scott was my dunce of the week and yeah. I just felt like <sighs> he was just making things worse. That smug look on his face when he was having that conversation with her, mm-hmm. the way he talked to her, like, you know, he had the upper hand in it all, right? Mm-hmm. These are all things that are clearly going to anger her. 
I get that they're having a power struggle right now, like, but it's just like you kind of acting that way is not helping or de-escalating the situation at all. Right. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I think he does have the upper hand. Like, and so, and it's something that is frustrating. Yeah. To, because I'm being such a jerk about it. But mm-hmm. like at the end of the day, I think he was like, you're doing all this. He's like, I'm going to be fucking somebody in your bed. He was like, God. not after I call your parole officer and get you kicked out of my house. Oh, God. You know, and it's like, good luck with that then. Yeah. And, you know, and so, and, and he definitely does, which is a thing that means. And so you can kind of see where she's coming from. He might have been kind of holding this. Mm-hmm. It's my house and you're living. I, I'm in charge here. Yeah. The whole time. All right. What about your life lesson? So my life lesson goes back to, and if you didn't talk about it, it was um, Lacey. Okay. So they were having lunch or whatever at this at this restaurant place. And I had noticed, especially when John came up to like creep outside of it, that it was one of the things that annoys me pandemic wise. And so is my life lesson. If your outdoor dining is in a fully enclosed tent, oh god, it's not outdoor dining anymore. Sure. Like that's indoor dining, so it's just less comfortable indoor dining. So don't if you're trying to avoid indoor dining, go to a fully enclosed tent. Right, right. Okay, so my life lesson is actually weirdly inspired by Brittany Marcelino. That's not the weird one, but also a friend that also had a similar situation. So if you find yourself staking out a seedy motel, there's something that really went wrong in your life. Yeah, <laughs> like that's things true. are not good. So really you can try your best to help other people, but trying to intervene, you know, this is probably not the best place or time. Yeah, I mean it, it is. And it shouldn't seem I guess I got her to come with her, but yeah, if you're senior find yourself in that situation, it's very yeah. much so. Let's review how I got here. <laughs> right. Okay, so that about wraps it up. So next week we will be back. I believe there's a new episode and we will not be physically in the same place. So, you know, we're probably not going to do a whole lot of um, editing since we're kind of sharing a mic this time. So, yeah. Hopefully the audio isn't too distracting, but uh, we'll be be back to normal next Next week. Next time. Yep, Yep. we will. All right, see everybody then. All right, bye. Bye.